Amen. Thank you for that. If you have your Bibles, if you can, turn them again to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and it's, I'm sure, no question what we're talking about tonight is the love of God. Love in and of itself. And if you remember what we've talked about with fellowship with God and with others, it's not just our proximity to people, but also our communication. There's been some several tests here in 1 John that we've looked at in several different chapters. We have a moral test, there's a doctrinal test, and now there's a social test as well. To prove if a person really loves the Lord. What are the evidence, what is the proof that is there that we can see? And the six tests that we've looked at already is, number one, are they born again? And we found that in 1 John 1, 1 through 3. Have they turned away from sin and the power of sin and the enslavement that sin has on people? Are they enslaved to their sin? In 1 John chapter 3, 4 through 9, we find that evidence as well. That we can have power to overcome these things because we have the power of God in our lives. The third test is, is your life marked by love? We saw that in 1 John 3, 10 through 17. The fourth test was, do you have a clean heart or conscience before God and others, 1 John 3, 18 through 24. The fifth test was, have you tested the false teachers to see whether they are speaking truth in 1 John 4, 1 through 6. And now we look at, do you really love one another? 1 John 4, 7 through 21. I've heard this preached, seen this preached, studied it. It's broken up and you can even break it up in the middle there and, and stop right there and we could, we could take time to look at it again the next time I preach, but I just decided this time we're going to jump in all 7 through 21 verses. And my hope is that you would go home and go back over this and see what it truly means to love. What that really looks like from God. In this passage, it gives us a better understanding of who God is. The second thing we see is since we are to love others the same way that God loves us, it helps us develop our human relationships as well. So the very first point I want us to look at is love acts. Love is not just a word we often use in our English language where I love cheeseburger. I love the fact that they just opened up Culver's up the road there. It's a lot closer. I love that. And I also love my wife and my children. And see, we only have one word for that in our English-speaking language, love. I clearly love my wife and my children more than I love food. And yet, in, this, in the Greek, and it's no surprise that God chose this language to inspire those to write in Hebrew and, and Greek. For these words now, we can really truly understand what they mean. We have a romantic or sexual love, which is the Greek word is eros. And so, I thought I had a PowerPoint. It's okay. It should be up there in just a, just a minute, I'm sure. Um, I started looking around. I was like, wait. There is a, there is a Greek word, though. The four types of love are this. The first one is a romantic or sexual love, which is eros. Speaking of, found lots of times in the Old Testament in Song of Solomon. It's talking about a physical love between a husband and a wife. There's a second kind of love, though, which is called storge, I believe is how you pronounce it. But it's talking about family love. The love between a mother and her children, father and, her, and his children. 
There's that parental love that is there. We find this word and appears in the Bible many times for love of mutual protection among Noah and the family. There's a brotherly love called filio, where we get the word Philadelphia, brotherly love. And so we, we see these first three loves right here of a friendship love. But the fourth one I want us to look at is God's love, agape love. God's love, this agape love, is selfless, sacrificial. It is a love that God has chosen to show us. It is unconditional, unmerited, and everlasting. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 through 8 says, This type of love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. This type of love that is speaking of never faileth. Amen. And it's a beautiful love that we see in 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 21. When we truly understand this type of love, we realize that there's really no indication that God loves us in such a way where it is strictly just emotional. It is a choice in which he has chosen to love us. It's something that he has promised to us, this type of love. That doesn't mean, though, that God is outside of our feelings and doesn't care about the things that we feel about. But yet it is a love in which God has simply promised to us. In this passage, we see that God's love is manifested not by his feelings, but also by his actions. Sending his only son to this earth to be born in a manger. To humble himself and the surroundings in which he came in. To live in the midst of us for 30 plus years. To be tempted in all manners as we are and yet without sin. To go through a horrible death for my sin and for your sin. In the previous chapter of this, John had earlier introduced this idea that love is not merely an emotion, nor is it expressed adequately only by the words that we say, but rather it involves actions that we take. When we love, we are called to action. It says, my little children, in 1 John 3.18, let us not love in word neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth, in action and in truth. I often tell my wife, Amber, that I love her very much. But if I simply told her that and did not ever show her, our relationship would not be very good as a husband and a wife. There are things in which I must do in order to prove my love to her as well, to show her my love. And that is true in all of other relationships as well. So we see that love acts the very first thing. But the second thing I want us to look at is love acts even when other people don't deserve it. Even when other people don't deserve it, love acts. God did not wait to send his son to this earth until we deserved it. Praise the Lord for that. He simply sent it to us. 
sent us his son when we desperately needed him most. Romans 5, 6 or 8 says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son to this earth while we were sinners. This love that we speak about tonight, as we look at our own personal lives, I wonder, even for myself, how guilty I am of not showing this same type of love to those around me. To love even someone who does not deserve it. Our relationship with others is something that we should strive for even in this world. I think Jesus had quite a bit to say about this principle on the Sermon of the Mount as well. When he talked about turning the other cheek, letting your enemy have your cloak or your tunic as well. And then he also says, talking about going the extra mile. Just going the extra mile for someone. I had a youth pastor growing up and he gave me a book before I went off into the military. I still have the book on my shelf and and there he, he wrote, he signed it, and they put, go the extra mile. You know, as a soldier, going the extra mile really does speak volumes. Not to just do the job, but to do it even when no one's around. When there's 15 other guys doing it, and you do your little area the best, it speaks volumes. And I wonder, are we still trying to do that even with love towards others? Going the extra mile to show people that we genuinely love them as a Christian. As a child of God, we're willing to take time to show them just a little bit more love than someone else. Over the past couple of weeks, we stopped at Starbucks. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. Boycott it, I understand. Um, not a big fan, but for some reason, this Apple new crisp thing, mocha thing that they have out, I have been craving it, whatever they put in it. I don't know what, but I have really been craving it, uh, macchiato. And so we stop there, and we go through the drive-thru, and every time lately, the, the people at the window, they stop and they talk to you. They go the extra mile to say, so what, you guys got plans today? I'm like, this is really uncomfortable. You know, I'm not used to this. I just get my drink, and we go, and we're like, never, we're here, you know. Um, we didn't go to Starbucks, no. Um, you know, just, just go right by. And yet, I thought, you know what? How guilty I am for not making conversations with them. To just ask them what are their plans for the day. To, to tell them, hey, do you have anything that we can pray for you about? Is there anything that you need as well that we could take to God in prayer to show them that we love them as well? Going the extra mile. My wife has, I grew up thinking in one sense, I guess I got off track as well later on down early in my life, thinking that forgiveness was one of those things that you just show people who don't deserve it. Well, you're just going to, let's just choose to forgive them. And I had it all wrong because it's not about choosing to forgive someone, it's about choosing to love them in spite of what they did that was wrong. God does not forgive us until when? Until we ask for forgiveness. So this idea to say that we're going to forgive people who don't ask for forgiveness is, is not even what God does. We're expecting more out of ourselves, but we, what we can do and what we should be doing is showing love to those 
who have done us wrong. To choose to show them love and go the extra mile to show them that love. And we don't have to forgive someone to simply show them love. But it needs to be a choice that we are willing to make. I can love someone even though they have done me wrong. The third thing that we see is love acts even when there is nothing to gain. Love acts even when there's nothing to gain. Not only we are to understand God's love and how he sent his son to this earth, but to understand that even if not one of us believed on him, that he still would have done that. He still showed us that love towards us. That even if no one accepted Christ as their Savior, he says, you know what, I'm still going to show you and prove to you how much I love you. There was nothing to gain, yet he still showed us this love. You know, love is risky like that. Sometimes when we do loving things for others, and we show them how much we love us, we expect something in return and nothing happens. A thank you, a card, a pat on the back. And yet it's not like that often. You know, there are a lot of people in this world who will still do good things for people. They do things like donate money, give their time out, set aside financial things to, to give to others, to bless them. And yet they don't even know the love of God. They just do it because they're nice people. But sometimes they have the idea to get something in return. But based on what we see here, this love that God has shown us is not genuine or biblical. The love to get something back from someone, to gain something, to, say, to gain their trust or to gain an influence is not the love that is found in 1 John chapter 4. The love that we see here is opposite of that. But as I looked at this this week and read this over and over, I thought how guilty I am of this crime to gain something in return. To love someone and to show them I love them just to simply get back something for myself. I remember when Amber and I first got married, we lived in a, lived in a 600 square foot apartment. And we had a mattress and maybe a couch and an ironing board. You know, that was about it. And we were living in this small little 600-foot apartment, and we could tell, I mean, you could tell when someone picked up something around the house, when they cleaned. So if I did something good for Amber, it was, it was really noticeable. I put away the ironing board so we could walk, you know, have more space. Oh, thank you. And, you know, get an extra kiss on the cheek. I gained something from that. But now that we have had kids for so long, it's hard to see what I do or what she does around the house because you turn around and the next thing's messed up and there's four other things to pick up as you picked up five things. And it's, it's crazy. And I really, after we were married for five years, I mean, we were kind of helping each other pick up around the house. And as I did things, I'd get a kiss for it. Or, you know, I gained some, oh, thank you, honey, for doing this. And now that we have kids, it's, it's very difficult for her to see those things that I do. <laughs> And, I, and, and, and it's very difficult for me to see the things that she does. And I've really had to put this into perspective for myself and to say, you know what, have I done it for so many years 
to gain that extra kiss? Have I done it for so many years to gain something from my wife, or do I genuinely just want to show her how much I love her and continue to do those things, even if she doesn't notice it? And I think oftentimes in our Christian life, if we're honest, we've showed others love who really don't deserve it. We've shown others love and knowing that we weren't going to gain anything, but deep down inside, it sure would be nice. And we've almost grown weary in well-doing and showing others love. And this is what John says is to stop and to reflect and say, are we doing it again for the right reasons? What is really your motive behind your love? Why are you, what is your real motive behind showing someone the love of Christ? Is it still not to gain anything? Is it simply still just to choose to love the unlovable? John here is writing as he's older now, as we've talked about. He's seen some things. He's experienced some things. He's lost a lot of friends along the way. And yet he gets his perspective back on the love of God. May God help us to get our perspective right again. Number four, when love acts, it changes hearts. When love acts, it changes hearts. 2 Corinthians 5.14 is up there on the board. But Christ's love compelled Paul to continue to tell all people that they would be reconciled to God through faith in Christ, just as he was. This verse right here is compelling to Paul. It should be compelling to us to understand this love of God and to be drawn to tell others about him and his great love. It talked about in verse 18 in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it talks about this perfect love casts out fear. The Bible tells us often to fear not. But as John points out here, it is the act and not just God's word that makes it possible for us to not fear his punishment. Our loving actions towards others also have the potential to change hearts. And not just theirs, but ours as well. I think so often in my mind, as a young Christian, I thought, well, if I show them love, it'll change their heart. If I can show them love, it'll change them. But really, God was trying to do a work in me to change my heart towards them. To show them grace. To show them mercy. To choose to love them. And I've often learned that the tests that we go through are not for others, but are simply just for us as his children. The things that God, the people that God allows in our lives are to teach us to love. One of the beautiful pictures that we find in this and the evidence is Ruth and Boaz of this principle. There's no evidence that in the beginning Ruth and Boaz had any kind of romantic feelings towards one another. But Boaz took action to meet the needs of Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And he observed the way that Ruth loved Naomi with her actions. Eventually, their hearts were changed and those romantic feelings did develop. It's interesting to see how this can grow 
C.S. Lewis says this. He says, it's up there on the board as well. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the greatest secrets. When we are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love love him. One of the things that we had in the military was fake it until you make it. The other thing is, false motivation is better than no motivation. False motivation is better than no motivation. And I don't believe as Christians we should fake it. And I don't believe that we should put up a false front. But this idea of false motivation was this idea that you would have a positive attitude no matter what was going on. You couldn't change a circumstance or you couldn't change what was going on, but you could have a positive attitude about it. To have that false motivation. And there would be times where we'd have to dig in a huge hole. One time we had a command sergeant major who made us dig in a Humvee one time. Bury a Humvee into the ground so all I could see was a gun on top. He was a mean man. <laughs> and we were all out there and we're digging. And it, was, it starts to rain and it was just it was awful weather and everything was bad about it. And I remember these guys, some of my buddies, and one guy starts laughing about it, starts having fun. Woohoo, this is going to be the best thing ever. We're going to be able to tell this to our kids one day. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. No one cares about that. (laughs) And then the next guys, and I mean, everybody, though, we just start that positive motivation, that false motivation. And then everybody, I mean, we were having fun digging a hole that you could fit up a military Humvee inside. Because one guy chose to have fun doing it. You know how interesting it is that if we will choose to have fun just simply doing what God commands us to do, what it can actually do to people around us. The kind of motivation it can show to those around us. Just just simply choosing to say, you know what, we're going to love them and it's going to be a great time. It's going to be painful, it's going to hurt. We're not getting anything to gain from it, but we can show them love. I wonder, are we willing to, to do that still today? To put these things in check. To simply set aside time and say, you know what, I'm going to just choose to love my neighbor. And it's going to hurt. And it's going to be really bad. But I can choose to love him. That's the love that God has shown us. So far, are we accomplishing these goals in which John has written to the church, written to believers in 1 John chapter 4? What, do we, what should we be doing to accomplish the love of God? How can we do this? Well, the very first thing that I see is we need to receive it. We need to receive this gift of love. Just like any other gift, the gift of love won't do me any good unless I accept it and receive it. Not just from God, but from others as well. I'm guilty of this, that the first time that we see this, Often in my own life, I tend to struggle with accepting the love from my wife after I've done something wrong. The love of my children after I've messed up. The love from others, and I, and I constantly want to put myself in this bad place saying, nope, you've messed up. Nope, you need to just stay here. Put myself in time out mentally or physically. Maybe there's some of you that have thought, you know what, because we've done wrong before God... God doesn't love us anymore. We're putting ourselves in time out and we're not accepting the love of, that God has for us, that he's willing to give us, that he's already shown us. 
And we're not willing to walk in that love because we feel like we've done this wrong, so how could God still love us? We've done this wrong, so how can we accept that love from Him and from others? But it's a gift. And all we have to do is receive it. To receive this love. And then the second point that we need to do is to give it. To give this love to God and to others. In verse 10, verse 20, and verse 21, John writes out about our love for God. And in verse 19, he specifically points out that our response to God's love for us is that we are to love Him because He first loved us. In verse 7, John reminds us that loving God requires this one thing. It's an action, knowing Him. How do we know Him? By reading and by praying. By reading His Word, getting to know Him more. How can we really love God with our lives? How can we really show Him? What's the best things that we can be doing to show God that we love Him? Well, we read His Word and, we, and it'll tell us exactly right there how we ought to live. How we can show God that we genuinely love Him by simply how we choose to live in this world. But are we willing to give that back to God? Are we willing to give God our lives? And say, Lord, it is very difficult to love others. It is excruciating pain sometimes to love certain individuals for what they've done wrong to us. But yet God says, I've loved you. And it caused him a lot of pain. And he showed it. He went to that cross. He was beaten. He was bruised for my sin, for your sin. And he did that because he loved us. What is it really costing us to love our neighbor? What real pain is are we suffering simply by showing someone that we love them? What real physical pain have we ever gone through to say, no, I, I want to show you love, though. Let me continue to show you love, and we've been beat up for it? I, I, I mean, maybe, but not, my, not me. I've never tried to show someone that much love and be, be, been beaten up by it. But that's the love that God showed us. He fought to show us that love. He carried that cross to that hill to show us that kind of love. What are we willing to do for others around us? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We are so grateful and thankful for your love. Lord, this is no new concept of your love, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to get it in our minds that we need to be like Christ in this world. We need to set an example of what real love is. The world today has a skewed definition of love. And Lord, as Christians, we need to have the right view of love, the right life that shows others what love is. To love even when we don't agree with someone. To love even whenever it hurts. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as Christians tonight, as your children, that we would walk in this love. Lord, we cannot do it on our own. We cannot put on a, on a fake front. We can't just fake it until we make it, Lord. We need 
the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to make time for you and your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, that you will enable us through the power of your Holy Spirit to show love to the unlovable, to those that don't deserve it. And that, Lord, you will know our motives, and our motives would be simply that others may see our good works and to glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this evening. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, how many of you tonight would say, you know what, there's someone that the Lord has laid on my heart that I need to show them more love? Would you just simply raise your hand? Hands up all over. You may put your hands down. Lord, for those that raise their hand, I pray that you would give them your power in that specific way. That even this week they would go out of their way to show love to that person that you have laid on their heart. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to share with these people the greatest story of love that has ever been written and ever been told. And that is your love towards us. And that while we were sinners, you died for us. Lord, we love you, and we thank you again for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In your name we pray. Amen.